Next up on Visual Wow. If your budget went from X all the way down to Y, there's still a lot of room in there to make each and every guest feel incredibly special. Ultimately for us, we want to ensure that all of our staff and your guests remain safe so that we all live to throw another party. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow. The podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your hosts, Jack Hartsman and Monica Vidal. Regardless of what time you might be listening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Jack Hartsman, your host, Visual Wow Podcast. Recording from the veranda yet once again, so you might hear dogs in the background, you might hear crickets in the background, but we're here nonetheless with our guest tonight, Glennis Keith. We're also here with my lovely partner and wife, Monica. And remember, if you want to know more about this episode, you want to read the show notes, you want to find out about bonus material, go to visualwow.com slash welcome. We'd love to add you to our distribution, keep you informed of everything new that's going on. That's just who we are and why we're doing this in the first place. Glennis, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Welcome. It's so nice to see you again. Um, full disclosure, you do come here uh, once in a while on a personal basis uh, to dine on our veranda. It is lovely to have you here in a professional capacity this time. I hope this is a good experience for you. Oh, thanks. I've considered your patio an extension of my own personal bubble. <laughs> and the weather tonight could not be any better. It's lovely. For the listening audience, wherever you may be, it's uh, about 7.30 in the evening. It is dark on the East Coast now. Uh, it is an extremely beautiful uh, 60 degrees. And we do have our glasses of wine. Cheers. We are, we are drinking cheering. Uh, a, uh, a Lodi Zinfandel. Um, the dogs are playing off to my right, Monica's to my left, uh, across your listening dial, and Glennis is to my right. Uh, I feel like a football NFL announcer, which is kind of weird unto itself. Uh, we have two new heaters on our patio, and they are warming both of my uh, ears from left and from right. Let's get started. Glennis Keith, uh, Senior Event Manager seasons catering by seasons um hop skip and a jump around the other side of the beltway from me here in rockville uh a catering company that uh has really got their own special niche in our community in the baltimore washington community uh what is this year seven for you i believe it is yes um tell us a little bit about what your role is at the company and where the company is positioned in the catering world oh great thanks well uh, my role as senior sales manager is to work directly with clients and liaison between clients and the kitchen and do everything from that very first phone call that um, says, hey, I'm thinking of having an event and it's going to be here and I have this many people to the actual food delivery on the day of the event and really everything in between. It's a journey. Uh, as the journey goes, one of the things that most people probably who know you do not know about you is you actually come from a very uh, seasoned uh, background in corporate America long before you came to catering. Tell us about that part. Um, I do. I worked for 20 years for a corporate telecom. I won't mention who, but it rhymes with Schmerizen. 
and um, <laughs> left to I left uh, with a um, early retirement package and thought I was done in the work world for a while but um, after a couple of years I was forced back into the workforce and only looked for jobs within the food industry. Um, food and parties and entertaining had always fascinated me. I've traveled around the world and in every new country, did a food walking tour or a cooking class, and I really wanted to focus the second half of my career around food, and I landed in catering. And I will tell you that every single day of the last seven years has been more fun and more exciting and more challenging and more rewarding than any one day ever was in the 20 years I was in the corporate world. But I'm sure all of that experience kind of you know, came came in handy with the catering world and dealing with clients. Oh, and absolutely. I was a people manager and I was a project manager, which is the perfect segue for working with clients and working with kitchens. One of the things that I've noticed about you when we're on jobs together is how hands-on you are. You're not somebody who just sells the job and hands it off to a catering manager to run the event. Um, I noticed that when food is being plated, you're making sure that if there were dietary restrictions, if there were allergy issues, whatever they may be, that you are there managing that and making sure that it is uh, being executed the way that you uh, the way that you sold it to the client. You seem to have a real niche for that. Tell us a little bit about how you uh, approach that with customers and, and you really find out about what their individual needs are. Uh, in, in the regular scale of how things are in catering of yesteryear and how things are today. Uh, sure. Well, first of all, I want to say that being hands-on is the only way I know how to do it. I am a perfectionist and I won't hold anyone that I work with up to a standard that I'm not willing to meet myself. And that means being in the kitchen, being on the floor, being behind the scenes, um, and, and making sure that everything that we promised a client is what we deliver. Um, you mentioned food allergies. I think that that's really important now. I don't think people talked about it 10 years ago, but now there's gluten-free and vegan and vegetarians and so many um, so many allergens that I take it as a personal responsibility to make sure that no guest feels like they're getting the consolation prize. I mean, I, we all talk about how expensive it is to throw a wedding, right? No secret there. But it's really expensive to be a guest at a wedding, too. There's a new dress and a new pair of shoes and someone springing for a hotel room and, and sending a really nice gift. Um, I, every guest deserves to have a really good food experience. I actually brought something with me because I thought you would kind of find it amusing. Um, a few years ago, a bride sent me an email that started with, I hate to throw you a curveball, but... And then she proceeded to forward an email that she had received from a guest a week before the wedding. And it goes on to say, I have the following allergies. The following allergies would cause anaphylactic shock. Eggs, nuts, peanuts, raw sesame, all nuts, 
raw sesame oil, carrots, celery, parsnips, green beans, lima beans, peas, beans, alfalfa sprouts, snap peas, raw bell peppers, raw apples, melons, peach, pear, cherry, mango, apricot, pineapple, nectarine, starfruit, kiwi fruit, pomegranate, plum, uh, raw soy beans, including soy milk, edamame, and tofu. And the following foods I'm sensitive to. Avocado, bananas, turmeric, beans, eggplant, and coffee, onion, garlic, spring onions, and leeks. Okay, besides the fact that I'm getting hungry now, <laughs> uh, how in the world did you address this? Right, so the first thing wait, you want to do... Wait, wait, You feed them a plate of white rice. Well, well okay, that's really interesting because... Don't want the, to insult anyone, so that's why I asked the question. <laughs> the first thing you want to do is roll your eyes and go... Are you kidding me? A week before wedding, this guest is putting this on a bride, right? That's my first thought. And we could talk a whole nother time about... The most emotional day of their lives, right? right? There's a whole nother podcast in there about how to be a gracious guest. (laughs) But this bride wanted to make sure this guest was taken care of, so she threw her on my lap, right? So the first reaction, you roll your eyes and you go, what? And then the next thing, all I could think about is this poor woman is probably used to going to every corporate dinner, every wedding, every event that she's gone to in her life and getting a piece of boiled chicken and and, celery and celery or rice. So then it became a really fabulous challenge. How do I make it so this woman walks away having had a really fabulous food experience and doesn't think she got the consolation prize, even though she bought a new dress and a pair of shoes and sprung for a hotel room like everyone else. My daughter when she was eight, became a pescatarian. And this was a number of years ago. And I will tell you that every... Now, pescatarian, is they just eat fish, fish. right? Fish. Okay. So no, no red meat, no white meat, um, dairy, and fish. Um, there was also another... Um, I always scratch my head how an eight-year-old knows what that means, let alone to change over to do it, but we digress. Yeah, whole nother story. That could be another podcast. But I paid the same $45 as everybody else for every swim team banquet, every student government dinner, every cheerleading camp. And my daughter ate the vegetables that was on a buffet that everyone else had, with no exception. And I paid the same amount of money, and I just became a kind of a fierce, proud lion mama and said, no, my daughter deserves to have food like everybody else. And I kind of took that with me into my role as a catering manager. Okay, well, we can't keep going. I need to know... What happened with that bride? What did you end up feeding the guest? As I recall, we gave her a um, oregano chicken with a lemon beurre blanc, uh, baby potatoes, and roasted broccolini. That works for me. Way better than steamed rice and boiled chicken. But why, as (laughs) our daughter would say? You know, there's something else, too, amongst this whole dietary restriction thing and it's not just about allergies we get requests now all the time from brides and grooms or families that want an entirely gluten-free event or want an entire vegan or vegetarian event and they're 
they're excited to share their lifestyle choices with their guests. And then the challenge for us is to um, create a menu that makes the meat lovers not miss the meat. It's a valid point, and and uh, I, I I I cringe on it sometimes. As a photographer, I obviously don't deal with that as closely as you do. Uh, I question when somebody is trying to take their general lifestyle and and put it down upon anybody. But I have seen it at a lot of events, and and for the most part, it's like for example, when Monica and I got married, we had a kosher caterer, and it wasn't because we were religious. It's because we loved a kosher. We we loved a caterer who happened to be kosher, and and our guests wouldn't know the difference. And all we got was rave reviews from all of our guests. We had a dessert bar. Uh, of incredible chocolate and a, a whole room full of a dessert bar that nobody realized there was no dairy in the in the chocolate. That was a room just for me. That was the, the, <laughs> the Monica chocolate room. We digress yet again. But think about it. When a bride and groom or um, a bar and bat mitzvah family are planning their event, everything they decide to do reflects their personal style and taste, whether it's a theme, whether it's colors, um, what the florals look like, what the timeline looks like that's all a reflection of their personal style and taste why shouldn't the food reflect their life choices as well well let's talk about life choices we are currently living in some pretty strange times where we are making some pretty weird different uh spur of the moment uh uh choices and changes in our event planning. Um, what is that doing to a company like Seasons, Catering by Seasons, in, in, in the, whether it's, whether it's uh, postponements and cancellations, or just people taking their 200-person event and, and putting it as 15 people in the backyard? How is that affecting you in the catering world? But more importantly, um, I know you're a detail-oriented person, and I would tend to think that it's much easier for you to really uh, work everything down to the minuscule detail when it's less people involved. How, how are you dealing with that on a daily basis? Wow, there's a lot packed into that question. So first, let me just say that planning a wedding for 20 people is no less work than planning a, a wedding for 200 people. Um, uh, with regard to our current world situation, I don't think there's a pretty ribbon I can put on it. It sucks. It just sucks. It um, Our event industry has been flattened. And um, for caterers in particular who don't have a virtual pivot available to them... Um, I think we've seen scratch and sniff does not work, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And um, and and shipping cheese across the country, um, although that works for Gold Belly, um, you know your local catering company doesn't have the wherewithal to do that. We've seen business drop, you know, uh, between seventy and eighty percent. It is what it is. Um, the bright spot is that people are choosing to celebrate. Um, they're choosing to celebrate with smaller groups of people. They are choosing, because of, of smaller groups of people, to pay way more attention to each and every guest. I was going to say, and if I may, because of your um, hands-on attitude with each client, you're also, when those calls are coming in, you are 
letting them know that it's okay and that you're able to help them just like you did with the with the allergies requ- request mm-hmm. you can make this work for them so that they feel safe and and they also feel that it's just as special so it's not just oh we're just going to have something small no it still will be a special day for you right no matter what it's still a milestone event and deserves all the care and love and attention um i just as a an aside can you imagine if you are one of the guests at a 20-person wedding. How honored and special would you feel to be included in that small group? And, um, of course, the budget for a 20-person wedding is so much less than it would if you were celebrating with a 100 of your nearest and dearest, but that leaves a lot of extra money for special details, whether it's adding... Um, a couple of courses and having a six-course meal, whether it's having a late-night snack, whether it's delivering um, something to the hotel room that's specially crafted just for each and every gift. I mean, think about it. If your budget went from X all the way down to Y, there's still a lot of room in there to make each and every guest feel incredibly special. When I approach things as a photographer... I noticed that depending on how we position the conversation, one of the things that the client is saying to me, very similar to what you just said, is that they it takes them a while to figure out the difference between affording a wedding for 150 people and a wedding for 20 or 25 people. And, and we get the opportunity to really... Um, add another photographer, take a longer time on the portraits, do something a little special, add uh, a Zoom session, a virtual uh, uh, component to the wedding. How does it affect you uh, in the little things that of some of the recent jobs that you've done where you had a little bit more budget to work with that you never would have thought of that wedding if it had been 150 people or 200 people that they would have thought that they could have the budget for, for doing that part of the equation? Well, I think that, you know, we say that micro-weddings are much more intimate, but the relationship you have with your vendors, whether it's your photographer, your florist, or your caterer, is also that much more intimate. So we have the opportunity to really craft a menu that is specific and precisely what the bride and groom are looking for and take care of any guests who might have a dietary restriction or or a food allergy that falls outside of what the bride and groom really wanted. Have you noticed, uh, I'm not a big fan of the term micro, we'll come back to that in a second, Mm -hmm. but have you noticed that a lot of the, um, have you noticed that people are making much bigger decisions much closer to the wedding day to the bar mitzvah date than they were pre-February oh a hundred percent we just completed the menu and booked a bar mitzvah for 25 people um, that is next month and it wasn't even on our radar three days ago so yes um, and I think that 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 is a factor of increased comfort levels and and also comfort levels with the vendor that you select. I mean, we our COVID guidelines could fill a book. We exceed the CDC um, 
regulations uh, by a mile because ultimately for us, we want to ensure that all of our staff and your guests remain safe so that we all live to throw another party. I was going to ask, how is your staff taking all this? How are they, what is the, I guess, morale, um, the whole teamwork? Well, we're obviously working with a, you know, much reduced staff, but in that, the teamwork is phenomenal. Um, We don't, you know, you defined, you asked me what my job is when we started this conversation, and my job seven months ago looked way different than my job does today. I don't have an assistant anymore, um, and that's only a small piece of it. We are all doing anything and everything that needs to be done to execute a party. And we're doing it with a third to a quarter of the staff that we had, you know, back in the olden days. <laughs> uh, Glennis, as you know, I was really groomed as a photographer by three or four of the largest caterers in the Baltimore, Washington area back in the 90s. And I literally have extremely close personal relationships with all the owners of those companies. And they they really beat me over the head until they got the pictures that they wanted uh, <laughs> of, of their food, of their of their product, of, of, of everything. And so there's a part of my career, people say, well, how, how have you become you know, a special event photographer? And, and I say I came out of the loin of, of a caterer. What um, we wore, our equipment. Uh, that's a picture. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, to those of you who you know I'm talking about, uh, thank you for what you did all those years ago. But I've always looked at uh, catering by seasons v- very much like my own career. I call it the Ed McMahon philosophy of business. Uh, the number one guy in the number two spot. And I never wanted to be the most flamboyant photographer in the whole town. Uh, Ed McMahon did not set out to be Johnny Carson. Uh, j- did I just date myself? But when Johnny Carson was leaving the reins, you might and, have. and there was a fight between David Letterman and um, uh, and Conan, uh, uh, nobody wanted Ed McMahon's spot because he was the number one guy in the number two spot. And for uh, you know, for at least a decade, I have looked at catering by seasons as the number one guy in the number two spot that everybody wants to go to. And your attention to detail is stellar. Um, Thank you. I, I, I uh, you're very welcome. It's very well deserved. Um, Yes, we have a personal relationship. Yes, you just referred a piece of business to me a few weeks ago to do a virtual component for a wedding, which turned into uh, uh, being an cont- entire photography contract and video contract. Uh, and, and, I, and I say that because I got firsthand the ability, it comes back to what I asked you earlier, how people are making decisions so last minute. You gave me this lead 21 days before a wedding. They had not booked a photographer. They had not booked a videographer. For all they cared about was, can I zoom a wedding? Well, another podcast for another day, we can talk about the different components of a virtual wedding. But I come back to how we as event professionals, whether it's you in your career or Monica and I in ours, we're so not used to making major event production plans a couple, two, three, four weeks before somebody's major event. Uh, a shout out to you, to your staff. Uh, George was your captain. Right, Georgie. He's Stellar. so fabulous. And this guy was working. We were on a on a four acre property. Um, it, it was it was quite 
uh, an undertaking. And, and from the minute he set foot on property, he really ran the staff well. Your crew was as COVID safe as I've ever seen a catering company. Masks, gloves, um, face shields. shields, the whole nine yeah. yards. Every, and I want to just give a shout out. All the gloves matched. <laughs> okay. And they weren't ugly gloves, I might add. <laughs> Guess, guess who had a hand in that? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I've worked with catering companies that I you know. Some guys got white gloves. This guy's got blue gloves. That one's got black gloves. Listen, oh, no, you're, you're, on my pack list, gloves that match, yeah. face masks that match. Your team did a really great job. Everything was the, seamless. Yeah, the, the, food, the food service was a probably a football field away from the kitchen where the where the food was. The tent was probably a football field away. So, the, your your entire staff was carrying you know three or four plates in their arms, and they were walking, you know, a distance, probably sure. seventy or eighty or a hundred yards to get to the tent. Uh, they were winded by the time they got to the tent, and, <laughs> and readily, I mean, rightly so. So, just kudos and a shout out to to the whole staff. We all uh, reach our goal in steps. <laughs> That day, yeah, absolutely. That was uh, that was quite a <laughs> quite a bit of exercise. Uh, that's a shout out to Sean and Jasmine as well. So great wedding that they did. Thank you for the referral, and uh, and Georgia, you did a great job. I don't want you to think it went unnoticed, uh, as well as Mike on the mic, um, and uh, and Lori on the party planning. It just it was a great it was a great team together. And so I wish I could have been there. I'm so sorry. As you know, I was at another event in Baltimore, and um, I was able to be at that event in Baltimore because I knew. That that with Georgie at the helm, our executive chef Kyle was in the kitchen. Um, you were there. The it just there was a great team, and I knew that I could be somewhere else for the evening. Although my heart was with you. <laughs> well, not that it needs to be said, Ed, but I just want to say that because during COVID, uh, work has been so sporadic, and, and like feast and famine is a better term than sporadic. So my peers, my contemporaries, the photographic industry, as many people know, in the Washington area, I believe it's across the country. It's very ancestral, and we're also very close friends. We're competitors and we're friends. And two of my closest friends and working colleagues are Michael Kress and Shmuel Almani. And uh, they've both been on podcasts with us before. And the way the moons aligned that particular day, I had to cover something for Michael in the morning because a bar mitzvah changed schedule on him. And I had to cover something he was doing in the morning and he came to me in the evening. And we had the dream team of photographers to go along with your staff. Uh, it was really a, a, a great experience for Jasmine and for Sean, none of which would have happened without your referral, none of which would have happened if we had waited much longer than the three weeks before the wedding that it came to pass. So <laughs> right. it was really a team effort. Um, and there's a lot that's going to come of that, I think. And, and I think it's one of the, the weird silver linings to what we've gone through in the COVID experience is the fact that I know that we're not the only ones because I've talked to some other people about it. Professional peers who are competitors who are getting to work together because it's fun. It's fun. I mean, industry, our business, it kind of sucks right now. But we're having fun. Why not go out and have fun with your contemporaries? Now, if I may, too, it's, this is what's going to get us through. And it's not, it's not a new thing. It's relationships. Relationships will get us through, and I, probably everyone listening is tired of me saying this, but it's true. We, we are here. We were at the job on Saturday with everyone that we just mentioned because of relationships, because we know that we can blindly pa pass 
the baton and it will be taken to the next step um, relationships they were here before COVID they're here during COVID they will be here long after so just you know reach out to them oh a hundred percent I say all the time my job is fun and I don't mean my job is fun as opposed to my job sucks I mean my job is fun I'm in the business of creating fun and um any chance during this pandemic that we have the opportunity to create create fun and joy and love and memories for our clients is a good time, right? Because we're all doing it um, on a much abbreviated schedule than ever before. I mean, I was fortunate enough to have two events last Saturday night as a company. That was that was a great night for us, um, but. We've gone uh, in some months m- m- more than four weeks without a real significant event. So, um, yeah, getting to do work is fun. Well, on a personal note, I remember, and I did not get a chance to work with you, but I worked with Dina Solnicki mm-hmm. um, a few years ago. A friend of mine um, was having her son's uh, um, B'nai Mitzvah. And I was trying to get her, okay, you know, to focus and we're going to do this and we need to plan and we need to do, you know, um, where where is it going to be? How is it going to be? What's the theme? Well, I know these boys and they're not a ballroom type of boys. It came down to the point where I was leaving to go back home to Peru to visit my parents and I said... Lisa, we need to take care of this now. I picked up the phone, I called Dina, and I said, I need you to meet me at their house. Well, I knew that they were more the in-house. They had the perfect backyard. They had the perfect, they had a pool, everything. And if you were going to make one phone call, that was the perfect phone call to make. (laughs) Right? Because you could leave knowing that your friend was in really good hands from beginning to end. Exactly. She came over. And I left, and I flew away, and everything was perfect. Came back, we had the B'nai Mitzvah, and it was a great success. Everyone loved everything. So that's just a shout-out to you guys, because, and this is beforehand. So, again, it's those relationships that you know you can pick up the phone and say, I need you now, and they're there. Mm-hmm. And if nobody else picked up the pieces on that, Dina is also a huge part of Catering by Seasons. I believe she is the director of events, director of catering. What is her director title? Director of special events. She's director of superstarism. But now she's wearing uh, so many more hats, as yeah, are we all, all. We're all doing that. Right. We are all and, women and, of and, infinite wisdom. And I'm just going to, you know, a shameless plug here, if you don't mind. The name Catering by Seasons is very meaningful. We are the highest rated green caterer in the DMV, and we're the second highest rated green caterer in the country as rated by the Green Dining Association. And and for those that are listening nationally and internationally, because we now have a reach <laughs> of uh, 15 countries and uh, and. Uh, yeah, that's all the United over the country. States, by the way. Welcome DMV to all. Stands, welcome. stands welcome. for 
the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia. So uh, it's our little region here uh, based around the Washington, D.C. area. And go back to what you were saying. Oh, thanks. So we have in our at our headquarters in College Park, we have a really large urban garden. I like to say that if you have a salad in August that's got tomatoes in it, they're getting picked in the morning and plated on your salad that evening. Um, That's we, totally awesome. We, that gives farm to table a whole new meaning. We grow enough um, basil in our urban garden to keep us in pesto year-round. Um, and we take garnishing a plate really very seriously, but in a um, not in a affected, fancy restaurant chef way, but in a very natural garden, um, earthy way. And with all herbs that are picked right from our urban garden. We have a partner farm on the eastern shore. Um, We've trademarked the Seeds to Celebration um, theme, which is uh, we have couples who really have the opportunity if they Um, book our services long enough in advance, they can work with us to plant and nurture and harvest many of the ingredients that end up on the plate at their wedding. And um, I'm sure this isn't a secret, but our industry as a whole leaves a pretty darn large carbon footprint. I think I read somewhere that the average wedding... um, leaves behind about 400 pounds of debris um, from beginning to end. And that could include envelopes from invitations all the way down to the last cocktail napkin gets that gets thrown away at the end of your event. Um, we recycle and every bit of food um, debris is composted. And I, 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 you know, I challenge really all caterers out there to figure out ways to green your business and reduce our carbon footprint. Well, Monica, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I had no idea that that was such. I'm a, signing up for one of those jars of pesto, please. <laughs> uh, and, and I just want to point out, we're sitting here on the patio, and in our refrigerator, we only have boxed water. We don't have bottled water. And if you look up on the roof, we have our brand new 28 solar panels on our on our roof that just got turned on today, which is kind of exciting. So you are the highest rated green patio in the DMV. I, oh, I, I'm going to take it. I'm going to for at least for today. I'm going to take it, absolutely. I'm sure someone will challenge us on this. Uh, You know, I'm going to just kind of sidebar here for just a quick second and talk about your alter ego, Ah. which I didn't, for for a long time, I did not realize was the same person. Uh, You have two Instagram presences. First of all, first of all, you're a very accomplished writer, and I know you have a lot to do with the blogs that are on uh, the Catering by Seasons website, uh, but you also have your own social following uh, under the under the handle Cater Girl, and uh, it's almost like a whole other person that I sometimes don't know who it is until my <laughs> personal pictures show up there. Where exactly but, did that come from? Uh, yeah, w- what is the background behind Cater Girl, and how do you keep uh, Cater Girl and Catering by Seasons separate yet together? That is a great question. Several years ago, I attended a cater source conference. I mean, I attend every year, um, but I several years ago at this conference, I signed up for a, a session that was titled "How to Create Your Own Brand." And the leaders of this session, there were I think there were three women and a gentleman, all worked for other companies, but it was 
they had a they had giant personalities and they created their own brand within their company so not a separate business not not comp- not competition at all but as a way to drive additional business to the company and also um be authentic to their true self so more boutique within the same company and different divisions in a way yes but also to honor their own personality mm-hmm. right so you same thing in the corporate world there's a corporate line there's a way things have to look and there's a way things have to be um but that doesn't necessarily reflect the personalities of the people who are the face of your business out in the world. So I really walked away from that session saying who do I want to be and and how do I how do I get to because I wasn't admin I was not an administrator for our Facebook page or our Instagram and I said how do I honor my company and still be authentic to my personality and um I came up with Cater Girl and to be um you know full disclosure Cater Girl G I R L was taken so I um channeled my inner Avril Lavigne and became Cater Girl with 3 Rs so it's really Cater Girl there's a there's an er in there <laughs> and so while we're on to the subject of uh of spelling and everything else along that line why don't you tell the listening audience uh your social channels your company website and the best ways to get a hold of you. Oh sure, thanks. So, uh Catering by Seasons on Facebook and Instagram and Cater Girl, C A T E R G R R R L on Instagram. Girl power. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I had an assistant who unfortunately um left when she moved to Pittsburgh as a parting gift had made a purple cape that says Cater Girl on it and it is one of my most prized possessions i love that very cool now i know that right before uh the end of the year we uh did some wonderful new photos of you in our studio and that was for an article you were being interviewed um re- tell us a little bit about that i i Oh. The name of the magazine escaping me. But. Right. Um, in December, I was... Um, seems a long, w- right. long I time. say back in the olden days, in <laughs> December, um, I needed headshots because I was interview- being interviewed for the August... Uh, I'm sorry, January, February issue of Mid-Atlantic Events Magazine. And I was asked, along with a number of other event professionals what our predictions <laughs> would be for 2020 um need i say i missed the mark 100% wouldn't have been great if i could have had the foresight to say that there'd be a pandemic and then of course i'd be striking it rich on wall street and everywhere else you um, weren't the only one that missed the mark <laughs> um but um yeah you did fabulous headshots for me for this article that published and i've i've since gone back and read what everyone else wrote and um i think that the predictions and the trends that we all talked about are important and and will be the focus of events and entertaining when we are through this so i for me i the number one trend i um 
spoke of was about how people who entertain are going to be more mindful. Um, Mindful of their planet and their community and their individual guests. Um, And a lot of that has to do with um, reducing their carbon footprint in their in their events and and looking for foods that can be that are seasonal and can be locally sourced I mean we're catering by seasons but I tell people all the time if you are insisting on strawberries in December well it's a really small world and we can get you strawberries in December we're not going to draw a line in the sand and say nope we won't do that if you want it you can have it. But our first approach is always going to be to try to create a menu that utilizes what's grown locally and and in season. So, and it sounds like those trends are still good now. I mean, not because of what we're going through. Do you not take advantage of those trends? Because you, your company still is doing every mindful thing that you're speaking of. Absolutely. For us, it's been our philosophy and the way we manage our business and the way our um, late founder um, set out to do business in a very mindful way. It's now trickling down um, to our guests. And I would love to, Jack, to share those uh, tips from from her article to our uh, listening audience on our website. I think that would be an awesome thing to do. I think that's an awesome idea. And along, uh, I asked Glennis to bring with her some tips and trends of catering, which will also be in the show notes uh, and at visualwild.com. So I encourage people to uh, to take a stab at that and, uh, and, and make sure that you see that information. Before we wrap up, I, I want to go back to a subject that I'm not trying to open Pandora's box, but I want to talk about micro-weddings the term, the literal definition, and, and what you and I have both been dealing with, or what Monica and you and I have both been dealing with as, as vendors. Um, to me, my, my issue, and, and our listening audience we have found, is not just event purveyors, but it's also event clients. Mm-hmm. So I say this to the client, I say this to the other purveyors, that my issue with the term micro is that it tends to come along with a a gut reaction mentality that micro weddings or micro anything comes with micro prices. And one of the most poignant things that you led the conversation with when we started talking about that is it really doesn't take much more for you. Uh, excuse me. It, it takes just as much energy from you to do a party of two, 200 as it does to a party of 20. And as a photographer, I, I, I'm having the, I'm dealing with this literally every week sure. where people are saying, oh, we're just doing 20 people in the backyard. Well, my time isn't any different. Figuring out how to do things in a COVID-safe environment takes twice as long. And, and the production of what we do is exactly the same. We have found, and, and I, I would tend to think that you would agree, that veteran purveyors understand and are a safer bet to work with in these very uncertain times, very new and different challenges that we're all dealing with. But senior vendors, vendors that have been around for a while, are more financially sound and have the ability to, I hate to use the word pivot, but understand the concept of a smaller event. How would you kind of add to that, parlay to that, or, or just 
you know, answer to it. It's funny that that's your gut reaction because I don't think of a micro wedding as meaning that the budget gets slashed. I, I in, actually, I think more often it gets redirected. In the Knotts 2019 Real Wedding Study, they noted that the number of guests at weddings has decreased year over year. So people in general are opting for smaller weddings, but the amount that is spent per guest has increased. So I think that's good news for all of us. People are opting for a more personal, more lovely experience for each guest over sheer numbers. And like you said, I think that the word that you used was redirecting um, where the money is being allocated. And whereas there might be fewer guests, now we're adding the virtual component of it, which as a photographer or videographer, it would have only taken, you know, two people. Now it takes, you know, four or five people to sure. do the same thing because of all the technology that's included uh, that needs to be added, the extra security, the, the virtual portion, the hand-holding of that side of, the, of, of what none of us were ready for. But in a way, it just it's, it's redirecting their budget. I like to say that fewer guests gives you um, more spending power. I mean, you could get to go big on style. You can have top-rated entertainment. You can have a six-course plated dinner. You could have over-the-top florals. You could spring for the hotel room for all of your guests. I mean, it's about creating a totally different experience and it doesn't mean I mean overall yeah you're going to spend less than if you had 200 people but that doesn't mean that your spending per guest goes down I'm still wrapping my head around the part about where we pick up the hotel costs for all of our guests (laughs) Uh, it's true it's true and it's very it's just very interesting to think about and uh, you know we can all hope that this can be something that we look back on in a few months and say wow I can't believe we were actually talking about that stuff but uh, it looks like we're going to be stuck in this for a little bit longer and we're going to do the best job we can. But you know, Jack, micro weddings didn't come about because of COVID. No, I mean, I agree. that's been a trend that's that we've been following for several years. I mean, um, that's been increasing even when people go out of the country or have destination weddings. Um, I think you're right. It's been increasing as the years have gone by and I, you know, the weddings that we have been doing, the mitzvahs that we have been doing lately, have been very, very special in ways that we never thought they were going to be. Um, bringing people from all around the world to virtually attend these events um, has been an, an amazing outcome from this, uh, which I don't think will go away at all. I don't it, either. I it will be a part of us from I like to think that forward. smaller events gives you the opportunity as as hosts to really connect with every guest. I I used to break it down for brides and grooms like this. If if you have 200 guests for a 5-hour wedding and you subtract 30 minutes or so for the ceremony and an hour for the cocktail hour, that leaves you with about three and a half hours for your reception or just over a minute to spend 
eyeball time with each and every guest. But once you reduce your guest count, all of those connections are so much more meaningful. And, and to that, we've talked about it on a couple of the different episodes. One of the nice things about the virtual product that we've been bringing to weddings is that our client, including Jasmine and Sean this past weekend, had the ability to look into our, our large monitor that we bring with us to the event and actually talk to all their guests that were online and actually have, you know, 10 or 20 minutes of quality time to send love and kisses and things like that to, uh, to their guests. It's really kind of a cool process. Hey, um, I think this has been an awesome evening. The dogs have only barked once. Uh, I think <laughs> and the a, wine's been delicious. The wine has been delicious. We only had one roaring truck go down, uh, that go down 270. Uh, it's been a very lovely night uh, on the patio. And uh, we really appreciate you coming over this evening. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Uh, again, catering by Seasons, Glynis Keith uh, in the hot seat tonight. And uh, Cater Girl, G-R- R R L on Instagram. Uh, you can find her, all of her information at visualwild.com. Monica, thank you for being here with oh, me. Cheers, cheers to everyone here to Glennis. Thank you, and to everyone listening. Thank you so much. Please, you know, just I've had a ball. It's been a lot of fun. Let's share our wow moments, which we I think just discussed several of them that we've had. Just this past weekend with with our lovely couple. And here's to so many more. So many more wow moments. Please keep having them. Share them with us. Go online. We want to hear from you. Thanks, wow. guys. That's a lot of good information right there. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I'm Jack Hartsman, your host, with my lovely wife, Monica, on my left, with Glennis on my right to the listening dial. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope to see you again. Check us out on visualwow.com. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening to Visual Wow. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends. Go to visualwow.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.